it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. All right, welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast. Josh Durso, Nate Sharman here, keeping you in bounds off the tee with the latest golf news. Today we are answering your questions, and holy cow, there are a lot of them and a lot of talk, especially since old John Rahm is gone to live. Yep, he decides to jump ship. Records of about, what, 500 to 600 million as John Rahm uh, jumps over to that Saudi-based league. Uh, you can't blame him at all, right? <laughs> Get that. Uh, we've seen a lot of athletes over the last week with John Rahm and now Shohei Otani take numbers in that, you know, higher above half a million to play a sport. Right. So it's, it's not something you can and scoff at for sure. Definitely was a tough, uh, tough decision for Rahm and his family, but ultimately he's going over to live to play over there. And uh, I don't blame him at all. Athletes, athletes want to get paid, man. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and this infusion of money that we're seeing, um, the numbers seem almost absurd, although we haven't gotten any con- any actual confirmed numbers. So uh, there's still a lot of speculation about what Rom actually took as far as the money's concerned. Um, I don't think we'll see an exact number. They asked him about it and he kind of he kind of laughed. So I don't think any of the right. Like, I don't think any of the guys that have gone to live have actually like disclosed how much they got. We got I think we got tighter numbers on like Bryson and, and like Dustin Johnson. We got a little bit more of tighter numbers. Yeah. Um, maybe not exact. I guess. I guess maybe you're right. I guess they are kind of similar in that in that range perspective. But yeah, I would say that's 550 million to 600 number is probably where they're coming in. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right, let's talk about that. Uh, Rom takes the money and heads over to live. Your reaction to uh, a PGA Tour list, John, or a, a tour without John Rom. Yes, that's very weird. Um, I, I said on here multiple different times, and, and I believe it, you know, John Rahm just being that kind of PGA Tour legacy guy. He talks about how he watches, you know, you know, videos on his phone before tournaments to get himself excited and to get himself in the right headspace. Uh, maybe that's a little bit different when you get 600 million thrown at you. I don't blame him at all for that. Maybe a little bit of that is just, you know, watching old Augusta highlights, right? And not PGA Tour highlights more so. He's just, he's really, he's, you can tell after being so successful in PGA Tour this last couple of years, he's just focusing maybe a little bit on more on majors, right? To get himself kind of tuned in for that. So I don't, I don't blame him at all. Um, but yeah, I was a little bit surprised with, with, with him kind of defending the PGA Tour a little bit over the last few years, but things have changed a lot on the PGA Tour. Um, I don't like the comments about people calling John Rahm a hypocrite for saying that the money wouldn't change him a year ago and now taking it. Um, PGA Tour landscape has been flipped on his head. Um, you have your you have their commissioner in a players run league, supposedly go behind your back in June and sign a, a backdoor deal with the Saudis. So everything's just changed. So I don't blame John Rahm at all for for going back on what he said a year ago in a press conference. Um, I, I didn't like that comparison. I just think too much has changed on the PGA Tour uh, since John Rahm made those comments back in 2022. Yeah, I, I think I'm to the point now with this um, live PGA Tour thing. I'm over being surprised at anybody going to live, especially when we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars being at stake. 
Uh, in my mind, this is probably the fatal blow in the live PGA Tour battle in terms of who's going to win the arms race and be the last man standing. Unless we're going to see the two parties come together, um, live golf now having John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith, uh, and even legacy names like Phil Mickelson, even though he's not, uh, you know, day in, day out competing, uh, you know, that is that's big. Um, I think Liz is live is also becoming a more complete product um, with homegrown success stories like Taylor Gooch. So, you know, uh, the, the, the idea that the PGA tour is the better product and that's why, uh, you know, I think back to the things Rory initially said, um, you know, I want to compete against the best players in the world and that's where they are. They're here. Um, that argument's starting to fall flat. And I think a guy like John Rahm probably thought about that as well when, you know, he's considered one of the three best golfers in the world. And oh, by the way, uh, one of the three best golfers in the world from the previous season, Cam Smith, uh, is already over there and uh, continuing to play at the level that we saw him play uh, his final season on the PGA Tour. So it's just a you know, I think this is a big blow for the PGA Tour, and I'm not entirely sure uh, how, well, we'll talk more about how how that goes uh, moving forward. But right along there, we had the uh, rumor mill pick right back up that Rom was not going to be the last uh, name to drop for this upcoming season of Live Golf. And we're still hearing that, but Tony Finau was one of the names that we had uh, seen reported along with Tyrell Hatton. Um, that may be next to go, but Fino says he's staying put. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Tony comes out on his Instagram um, a day ago and announces that he's staying um, and, and just puts all those rumors to bed about Tony Fino going, playing for going over to live and playing for, you know, his, his good friend and neighbor, John Rahman, Los Gatos, right? Uh, we'll see what kind of happens with the rest of his team, but Tony is staying here on the PGA Tour. Um, pretty amazing to hear. That would have been a brutal blow because, you think John Rahm gets put on to live. There could be a mass exodus of guys going to live. You know, Tony Finau has that. You know, they talked about Terrell Hatton possibly going to. But Tony Finau might have put a temporary stop to the whole PGA Tour to live bleed, bleeding, right? I, I think it, it it's bound to happen where you're going to see more high-profile guys go to live. There's no doubt about that. But maybe not for a month. Maybe not for until this, this December 31st deadline comes where the PGA Tour kind of decides – what's going to happen for in terms of investing. So I think that's really, really big for a guy like Tony Finau, a very high profile player, a guy, a guy that doesn't want a major, of course, but we saw him star in the Netflix series, you know, just this past year. So people like Tony Finau a lot. He's, I would say he's a household name in terms of golf fans. So I, I think it's big that Tony Finau is not going to live and going to stay here at homegrown in America. Yeah. I, I think this was as big a win as the PGA tour could get given yes, the, the news the last week, right? So obviously not the same thing as keeping a John Rom or in Liv's case, getting a John Rom committed to your tour long-term, but it's something. And, you know, I, I think the only thing that could undo this in my mind, the, the quote unquote win that comes from this is if a guy like Tyrell Hatton uh, packs up and, and announces he's going to live in the next week. I will say out of the two of them, Hatton was the one that made more sense. Um, because of the affiliation on the European team, uh, the European Ryder Cup team, it makes it would make more sense to me that he moves over, especially given that he is slightly older. I can't I can't recall his age right off the top of my head, but he's a he's a bit older. Um, to me, it makes more logical sense to see him go than 
uh, of Finau. But Finau announcing the way he did, um, I, I think he gets some he gets some good style points, right? Um, for instead of taking the the quiet route, uh, you know, quietly saying something during a press uh, press availability, or you know, just putting a generic statement out on on a social media platform, he basically posts this lengthy uh, this lengthy thing, and and then caps it off with a hashtag says I'm I'm staying put. Uh, that's that's the that's as cool as it gets in my mind for the tour. Yeah, he's always been kind of that guy that, that's cool as the other side of the pillow, right? Um, it, we've we've seen that from him from his golf game and from his off the off the course stuff. Uh, Josh, who do you think is next? Uh, not a guy named Terrell Hatton. Who do you think goes over? If anybody, I guess probably somebody goes over to, to fill out that Los Gatos uh, John Rom fueled live team. Do you have a player in mind? You know what? I I think. To me, Hatton is the lead contender. I can't, you know. We need a Tony Finau sub, you would think, right? You know, a guy that's a similar level to him. Yeah, I, I just wonder who that would be. Like who, I, I mean, I guess we're talking right between like 10 and 40 in the world, like world ranking, right? Um, yeah. I'm not sure. That. I'm not sure who that would be that fills the Finau shoes. Um, but then again, you know, and I really don't think any of the, I don't think any of the household names that the PGA tour has left are really high on the list of, Oh no, they might go Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, um, you know, Colin Morikawa, you know, I think a lot of these guys are, I think most of those guys, Patrick Cantlay, uh, Xander Schauffele. I don't see those guys going. Um, I'm not maybe out of that group is the only one that I think a little bit, he could go. I don't know. That wouldn't be surprised at this. Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, out of that group of people you just said. Would if be the, the most. PGA Tour loses the number one golfer in the world and uh, the guy who absolutely bludgeoned the rest of the tour with with second and third place finishes this past year, the PGA Tour might as well just fold up and quit. I mean, I'm just going out of out of speculation. I didn't think John Rahm had any chance to go. Here we are uh, two years ago or, or even a year ago. I didn't think we could see a spot where John Rahm went and here we are. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What do you do? You have a, is Scotty Scheffler your guy that you're that you're watching? No, he's not. Uh, do I have permission to recklessly speculate because this isn't sure. anything I've heard or anything like that? But the only one that comes to my mind is the one that comes to my mind is Matt Fitzpatrick. I think that's the only guy that kind of comes to me because if you you get John Rahm's team, you put Matt Fitzpatrick as that two, Terrell Hatton, and then you get Matt's brother. You get you put Alex at four, and that's your live team. I mean, you get some international sort of power on that foursome. And it makes sense to me, but Matt Fitzpatrick doesn't seem like a guy that would go. But like I said just a second ago, we said it about John Rahm. So I don't, I don't think anything has come out about Matt Fitzpatrick, you know, being a possible link to the Live Tour. But I wouldn't be surprised, and that's the only one that I can come up with. You know, I've been thinking about this last couple of days, uh, knowing this question was going to come up. That's the only one that comes to my mind as a, as an even remotely possible guy. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I, you know what? I'm not entirely. I, it's interesting because it does feel like it would most likely be a European guy or two, right? Like that feels think, like the safe play assumption. On John Rom's team, right? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. We'll we'll see how this evolves. If it's anything like last week, um, an announcement will be made within 24 hours of us finishing this podcast. Um, at least it wasn't three hours. Yeah, right? yeah. We at least we at least got a day. <laughs> um, the PGA Tour. So we got. That news, which broke on Thursday, uh, and then the kind of fallout from that, 
the Finau announcement came, was that two nights ago, Sunday night? Or was Finau, that last was night? Yesterday morning. Okay, I think. So that was, was Monday the, morning. It was this Monday after that, uh, a Monday after the Grant Thornton. Yeah. So Sunday night, we get the announcement from the PGA Tour that it's continuing negotiations with uh, an American private equity group, as well as the PIF. Uh, the question here is, and this was a question that I saw repeated on social media over and over again, is this a dangerous approach for the PGA Tour? I think because the feeling is that it continues this arms race between the two entities in terms of maybe provoking Liv to continue trying poaching PGA Tour players. Yeah, Josh, you probably have a more complex answer to this than me, but I'm just I'm just done with, with American Investment. I think we should just go with PIF now, um, sell out to the Saudis at this point. Uh, you're going to think that down the road, three or four years, American money is going to run out. PIF never does. That's really my simple explanation that's going through my head. Why delay the inevitable? But uh, yeah, go ahead with what you think here. <laughs> so I think it's starting to feel to me like the tour wants multiple investors. Um, PIF and US-based equity too. I'm not sure if that's to help encourage approval by the US regulators who are obviously going to have an issue with you know, Saudis dumping an insane amount of money into the PGA Tour. I mean, there's a, a better than 50-50 shot, I think, that that deal just doesn't happen if it's just straight up PIF investing into and ultimately merging with the PGA Tour to create this uh, for-profit entity. Um, but I also don't know if this is the PGA Tour trying to find a 100% non-PIF route, meaning just American investment only. I think that's really dangerous because that's a race that the PGA Tour can't win. Like the PGA Tour using American investment cannot compete with Saudi money. I mean, it just really For is sure. that simple. Like I don't, and it might be one of those scenarios where it works for a couple of years. It works for maybe two, three, four years, but American investment, even private equity is this, um, it's this thing where it's, always subject to conditions of the American stock market, the marketplace, right? Like Saudi money is this endless pit and it just isn't a, it isn't a good comparison. And I don't think it's smart business to choose one over the other. If you're the PGA tour and you're watching the PIF, just basically dump hordes of money into live and players to go to live. Because I don't think that, I don't think getting uh, American equity into the PGA tour stops that poaching from happening. I think it will just see it happen year after year after year to right. the point where we'll have, you know, we kind of lightly touched on the subject last week, you know, we'll start to see amateurs and, and college kids, the best of those categories start to consider playing and live as opposed to playing on the PGA tour as more and more of these players get poached. I mean, I feel like we're almost there now as it is, um, especially with the ROM acquisition, but that's a very real threat for the PGA Tour. And I, I think that, you know, not only makes the investment a big question mark, because why would private equity want to invest in something that inevitably becomes the number two product in terms of professional golf? Um, I, you know, I, I just think it's it's a bad idea. I do think it's dangerous for the PGA Tour to keep going down this road. Why would the PIF want to, to to go in on this if they're not the sole provider of PGA Tours money, right? That's what I could what I only thing I could think of. I think that I think it goes back to that legitimacy question. Um, I think that 
I think what the PIF is really looking for is legitimacy in the PGA Tour product. And that's kind of where the buck stops, in my opinion. I, you know, um, let's talk about some of the, the non, uh, well, not non live, but some of the other questions that have been popping up about this uh, whole negotiation that we're seeing unfold kind of quietly. Should this impact the 2024 season is the, is the question. So should the PGA tour reconsider pause or do any kind of change, um, now before the meet of the 2024 PGA tour season starts? I don't think so. Um, I don't, I don't think a, a pause is going to do you any good. Um, it kind of shows a little bit of weakness, right? You got to keep doing what you're doing at, at some point. Um, I think once you put a tee in the ground, um, especially at Augusta, I think a little bit of this is going to be put to bed a little bit and people aren't going to talk about it for a little while. Uh, but I, I think just because, you know, just being this golf's off season here and, you know, in the winter time, I think that's why it's being talked about a little bit more than it would. Uh, so I think you, there's, there's no way you put a pause this season in my mind. You, you keep going. Yeah, I, I think originally when I read this question, I was kind of on like the, yes, it should be a full stop moment. Um, figure your shit out before you move forward. Um, obviously, Wells Fargo um, backing out of its sponsorship past 2024, I believe. Um, your current financial supporters and fans can't really say for certain what you're going to look like after this year. I think it really just comes down to um, there needing to be a very solid plan in place moving forward after this deadline for a, a quote unquote uh, investment agreement. There needs to be something and we need to know what 2025 is going to look like without any of this weird weirdness between the two entities. We need to know if the live guys are going to be able to play on the PGA tour. We need to know what that is going to look like in terms of uh, PGA tour guys potentially playing in like crossover events with live. You know, I, I it, we need to know what it looks like because I think a lot of events that are ordinarily pretty high profile are going to be kind of like snooze fests without a guy like John right. Rahm in them. You know, and I think until they make a decision on what they're going to do in terms of investing, I think these PGA tour events that are not the majors take a little bit of a backseat. People don't care about them as much. Like I think whether you make a decision, if you're the PGA tour, whether it be the quote unquote right one or the wrong one, I think you almost just need to make one uh, before the meat of the season gets started. So we can kind of tell our fans, this is what we're doing and this is the plan. And um, it's changed since June, since we announced it, or it hasn't changed, right? This is what we're doing and we need clarity, right? At the end of the day, because um, I think I'm at a spot where I don't really know what they're doing and I feel like I'm connected more more so than than golf fans out there. So that's that's really interesting to me. I think clarity and, and transparency is important in, in terms of this in terms of this league. Yeah, so obviously... I. I think it should be pretty clear to everybody how we feel about this whole has professional golf been ruined debate. Um, but one angle yeah, to this question, one. one angle, one angle to this one that I do think is interesting is what's done more damage to professional golf. If we're going to entertain that idea, has it been guys leaving for live or how the PGA tour has handled this live relationship over the last uh, year and a half now? I don't think what the PGA Tour do, has done, and, and I think a lot of people disagree with me here, is giving out ban. I don't think it's a problem that they've given out bans for guys that have played on Live. Like I don't, th I think it's a good thing that they haven't let a guy like who, Dustin Johnson, who's been with Live since day one, right, pretty much, play in PGA Tour events. I think that's a good thing. 
what I think is the problem is something I just mentioned is that we've had so much flip-flopping. I know back in June, you know, right after um, the tournament in Ohio, we had, the PJ Tour announces that they're joining up with the Saudis, right? And everyone's like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is not the best thing to do, but this is not the best thing morality-wise, right? But I think things have changed a little bit in that term. People have kind of realized what it is. And then I have people messaging me like, what's going on? I thought PJ Tour and Liv were joining and Liv was dying, right? Because that was kind of the thought. And now yeah. that's totally not happening for at least the few, at least the foreseeable future, right? So the PGA Tour has totally flipped on its head without making said announcements. So I go back to that transparency argument. You know, what are we doing? We need to tell our fans what we're doing and not make it sort of murky, right, as it's been. So I don't think I blame too much on a guy like John Rahm for jumping ship because he just doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, is he going to have to return the money in two years? Who knows? Probably not. Once you get the money, you would think that you you – spend it on your generational family and, and go for that. But I just think it's so weird how there hasn't been a lot of announcements besides this, this, this small, tiny announcement about uh, American investing versus Saudi investing, you know, on Sunday. But I don't think there was, there's not really been a, a plan put out by the PGA tour. And I would love to see a plan in, in the early part of next year before we get into the, the quote unquote meat of the PGA tour season. I think, you know, not to blame. Well, I, I think it's, the fault of the people at the top of the PGA tour. And I'm talking about the Jay Monahans. I'm talking about the, the there's been no sense of direction from Monahan. Yeah. All. Like the, the runners it's, it's on the runners in my mind, because like you can't blame guys leaving for live who are, you know, have huge questions about what the PGA tour is going to look like in a few years. But when you look back at the very beginning of this thing, how the PGA tour handled it, knowing full well, the situation, um, and you know, I think from the beginning, it's been very clear that like, you know, PIF is not investing this money into live to make a compelling, uh, return on investment product. Like they're not, they're not doing there. This is, this is sports washing. This is all of the things that we've talked about a million times over. Um, the PGA tour should have been smart enough. It's leadership should have been smart enough to see that, um, handing out suspensions for guys going over there ultimately, you know, in addition to losing a couple players a year, especially when you're talking about a John Rahm is ultimately just going to dilute your product. And, you know, without integrating the two, I think, yes, professional golf will have been ruined. And, you know, it kind of comes down to who, if I'm blaming somebody, I'm blaming PGA Tour leadership for how this thing has evolved over the last, I don't know, like six months, really. Yeah. And it's just bad for the golf fans everywhere. You know, we're, we're making these two dilute products right between live and the PGA tour. Well, the best players aren't playing against each other every single week. Like we need to see. And it just makes me sad at the end of the day that that professional golf has kind of gone like this. That's why I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of, I've accepted the fact that we could take some Saudi money to make this product better for the golf landscape. Right. I think that's important to get John Rahm playing against Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler and more than six times a season, I think is important for the end of the day for the golf world. Yeah. And, and you know, to that end, I think at, a lot of us are just thinking about what's best for golf fans, what's best yeah. for the, the professional game. Um, what percentage of golf fans do you think have been lost so far because of this back and forth and, and all the kind of like, politics that have gotten involved in in uh professional golf a very high percentage i think i think if you're not tuned in to to x or or to anything like that i think it's easy to get lost because like i just said earlier you think back to june and that's your last 
big quote unquote huge announcement where the PGA Tour is joining up with the, with Saudi. And then you have this announcement a week ago, no less than a week ago, that John Rahm's joining Live, and you're like, what is going on? I thought we were joined. I thought there was a clear path for guys to rejoin the PGA Tour. What's going on? And then you read a little bit more into it if you weren't glued to it, right? And you're like, oh, we're at a total different part than we were in June. So it's a little bit, mur- like I said, it's a little bit murky to me. I think it's a high percentage, though, Josh, of, of fans that are just confused at this point. Yeah, I don't think we've... I don't think we've lost too many serious fans. No, I don't think so either. Um, but I think the damage has been done among casual fans, right? Who feel like you just pointed out disconnected, confused, um, not fully understanding the scope of the situation, which I do think is partly to, to blame on golf media because of the way it's been covered. Like you can't cover an ongoing story like this without covering like the the politics of it. Too, and I don't think there are a lot of people really well equipped in golf media to cover the the politics, U.S. foreign policy politics, um, with the backdrop of this or using that as a backdrop to this story. So I think for the the average person, they're very confused, um, and hopefully that gets resolved as you know tournaments actually happen. Um, it's it's just it's a it's an interesting situation uh one question we've seen and we know how rory feels about it um should there be a rule change to allow john rom to play in the Ryder cup obviously we're more than a year away from that because of the every other year uh schedule um what what are your thoughts there yeah a thousand percent there was one for the americans to let brooks kapka play on the team so why can't we have one for the europeans i don't think it's that much different in my mind I think back in 2023, if you needed a guy to play on the European team that was on the live tour, then there would 100% be a rule and it would be pretty quick and there really wouldn't be that many headlines about it. Just the fact that there really wasn't a guy that would play on that. Like if Bryson were to, if they were to, if Luke Donald were to look at his team and say, or not Luke Donald, excuse me, um, the Bryson was going to be able to play because Americans were able to, right? But if they, you had a guy like that that was going to play on your team Europe that needed that sort of exemption, I, I think it would have happened, especially how we, we've involved, or evolved throughout the Ryder Cup and throughout uh, the BJ Tour Live thing. Yeah, I, I think this is two, there's two parts to this. First, obviously, the rule needs to be made clear that if you play in Live, you can also play uh, in the Ryder Cup. One, we've already we've already seen Brooks Kapka. obviously. Uh, we're going to see John Rahm in the next Ryder Cup, whether it's by exception or just by straight up rule. But I think the second part, and it's more important, um, I think there needs to be uh, an admission that uh, there should be a route via points for live players to be uh, to get into the automatic qualifying territory. I mean, the John Rahm doesn't sign this deal for live if he doesn't think he's playing the Ryder Cup at Beth Page Black, right? I mean, this I, is a guy that absolutely loves the Ryder Cup. John Rahm talks about it all the time. So I don't think he signs the deal for for $600 million if he can't play in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't necessarily know if I I completely believe that. I think he goes because he knows he's going to be able to play and almost yeah, is to the point saying, of, yeah. I, I mean, I look at that last press conference from uh, the Ryder Cup where, you know, I think 22 minutes of that after the Europeans won, 22 straight minutes uh, to open that thing up with questions being thrown at Rory. And then finally, John Rahm gets asked a question while he's basically, you know, just sitting in the second row, almost like a wallflower. Like to me, 
I don't know how much love there is at this point for the quote unquote status quo of the PGA tour and how that whole situation has been handled over the last many, many years. So I'm saying there needs to be a, a points route for live players. I think that's the more important rule change that needs to happen when we're talking about the Ryder cup. They got to have a way in that isn't just by captain's pick. Agreed. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is the way people are talking about PIF investment in live, like they care about getting a return on that investment because I see it's almost every single post on X I'll be scrolling through. It'll be a golf take about live. And then I'll see like two or three replies that say, Oh, nobody cares. Nobody's watching it. It's a dumb product. It's all, they're just throwing their money into a, into a bottomless pit. That's the point. Like that's part of the reason why the PGA tour can't win this thing, right? Like live doesn't care about getting a return on its investment. They don't care who's watching. They don't care about creating a compelling product that generates revenue. It's like, I don't know, third or fourth on their priority list. That's the issue with the American infusion of capital into PGA, into the PGA tour. Um, generating a return on that investment is always going to be the number one priority. So I just think that's a, a stupid argument to be throwing out there. Like it matters who's watching live. It doesn't matter who's watching live anymore. So everybody on, on X formerly Twitter, please stop talking about how nobody watches live because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, it's social media at this point, right? People are going to talk about what they're going to talk about, but it's just, it's just silly in a way, you know, you, you've created this, this disconnect between the two sides, right? We, we see the two sides going at each other on, on X from known as Twitter all the time. And, and it's not going to stop. I don't think anytime soon, this is only going to heighten it until a decision's made. Right. And um, I, I think it's, it's sort of turning into a really weird spot. These live sort of bots. You can tell, you can say some, in some instances, instances are coming at some of the PGA tour people and it's just creating a really, really bad environment for professional golf. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last live question here. And I think this is an interesting one because <laughs> I think there's a lot of us who want to see some kind of uh, crossover event where we have the top five or top 10 from both leagues playing each other. Have we reached a point where the top five or maybe top 10 names on live are equal brands to the PGA tour? We've gotten close. I mean, you can, you can look at it like, like Ron Scheffler, JT and Spieth compared to Brooks and Bryson, Cam Rory, Taylor Gooch, Max Homa. I know it's very similar. At the end of the day, I, I go back to a guy named Tiger Woods. Don't forget about him. He's talking about playing 12 events. I don't care who you poach from the PGA Tour. You're never going to get a guy like him, especially if he plays 12 events. But yeah, they've, they're getting very, very close. Um, uh, I don't know how much closer they can get. Maybe if they poach a couple smaller guys, they get even closer. But um, yeah, a, a group that plays against each other, a live versus PGA Tour battle would be incredible. Um, I think if you put that on, you slapped it on pay-per-view, then I think everybody in their mom is going to buy it. And I think I'd buy it twice if I had to, but um, that'll never happen, unfortunately. But um, I think you're getting closer to that. The only thing is, is that the PGA Tour has a lot more rich history. You could talk about a guy, you know, not winning on the PGA Tour for five years and then winning on the PGA Tour and getting status and stuff and how cool of a story this is. You're not really gonna, ever going to have those kind of stories on live. Um, I don't think. I think that's a little tiny bit part of it. I think people care a little bit minute, minute about, about those stories. So you're never going to have something like that. You're just going to have a guy winning $4 million plus in a week that he doesn't play maybe even his best golf. So I think that's, that gets a little bit watered down for people at times, but still 
it resonates a little bit more people when you can tell those stories versus millions and millions of dollars that most people are never going to see, including myself. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think, I think we're basically there. I think we're to a point now, you, the names you rattled off, um, they're my contenders for, for, you know, if we're putting six against six or something along those lines. And I even look at it like as a, as Taylor Gooch is kind of for all the crap that he's gotten over the last two years, I kind of look at him as like a, homegrown talent for live like he was a nobody on the pga tour and goes over to live and has been perhaps one of the most three impressive players over there yeah so you know and i think it just kind of comes down to i'll I'll say this caveat you mentioned tiger tiger is the ultimate caveat because i think you could you could have tiger standing alone as a third entity in this head-to-head and i think he beats the pga tour and live in terms of attracting eyeballs just by himself tying his shoes. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's a, it's a totally fair comparison. I also don't think it's a great look for the PGA tour. If they're relying on a 50 year old guy whose best golf is at least 10 years behind him um, to be carrying, carrying the weight of the entire tour. Yeah, no, you're right. And just look at the PNC championship this weekend. Um, It's going to be a such so heavily watched because Guess what? Tiger Woods is playing. And we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about, about that field and how, how much fun of an event it is. But it's it's just the Tiger effect, right? And, and yep. they offer, I mean, that's why the rumors are were, I think it was about last year or maybe early part of this year, that, that Liv offered him a billion dollars to come play in the event. And, you know, Tiger says no, of course, to that. But it's still just crazy how what Tiger can do. And, and I know I love that analogy used about tying his shoes. But um, I, I think... It's just never going to, re- I think it plays in the PGA Tour's hand a little bit that they kind of have this, the Tiger card they can play whenever they need to. And that's why they're maybe always going to win in terms of popularity. But um, yeah. it's, it's interesting to talk about how these two tours have gotten closer in terms of a golfing ability. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's very interesting. All right. So let's talk about some non-live golf stuff. Uh, Kirkland has dropped a new set of irons. Question is, what do we think of them? Uh, they were uh, seen on the conforming list uh, earlier earlier this year. Uh, there have been rumblings for the last two seasons. Uh, having gone back and and do some re- doing some research uh, before the show here, they've been rumored to be getting into this uh, into this business here for a, a while. Obviously, their wedges are very popular. Uh, their putter is very popular. Uh, just it was a matter of time right yeah two things on this first of all we talk so much about growing the game in terms of live versus pga this is what grows the game we get a set of affordable irons you know i, I think they're around yep. 600 for for the common person and josh question for you this is kind of a fun one do you think a we have a professional golfer sponsored by costco in the next five years i think we will see a kirkland uh player relatively soon yes well that's fun I, I do. I, I I think it's going to happen. Um, you know what? Like, yes, uh, the affordability thing is huge. They aren't even six hundred dollars. They're four ninety nine. They're four ninety nine. Yeah, I spoke wrong. Yeah, four ninety nine. That I mean, that's just an incredible price on a on a set of irons that, um, is designed very well. Now we'll see how in terms of performance, we'll see how they hang. But in the past, um, you know, Kirkland has been kind of quietly discussed as one of these brands that when they're when they're creating a product they look at others in the industry uh for inspiration um there was a lot of there's been a lot of speculation in the past that if you look at Callaway products 
Odyssey putter versus the uh, Kirkland putter. A lot of comparisons. Uh, same goes for their wedges. Same kind of deal. I think if you look at these, uh, when I look at these irons, I actually see a tailor-made set of irons. That's what I see. Um, but I think it's I think it's great, especially when you consider the fact that I was at Dick's Sporting Goods this past weekend, and man, like probably between ten and fourteen sets of irons over fifteen hundred dollars just sitting yeah. on the rack. I mean, that is you want to talk about an exclusive group. The number of people who are you talk about growing the game, uh, the the number of people who are picking up the game, starting to play it seriously, who are going to be willing to drop over a thousand dollars, much less fifteen hundred dollars on a set of golf clubs is insane. Um, and I think we're going to see this particular Kirkland set be very successful, um, especially since it's not just available. It, typically, when we see uh, less expensive sets of golf clubs like this get released, we'll only see like one shaft option. There's a stiff flex shaft option, uh, which we don't know the exact specs of, but I will say is a big step when you're trying to attract uh, not just your true weekend warrior. Like this is right. in theory, a set of golf clubs that can be played by somebody who, who can, can get around a golf course. Yeah. I think they were reading, they were true tempered shafts. They, they seem like they're, they're pretty good golf clubs, right. In that regard. I just go back to thinking, you know, a guy that might play in a league once a week at a golf course and plays once a month on the weekend. So we're talking, what's that five or six rounds of golf and some of them nine holes a month, right. How yep. does he justify going back to his family and saying, Oh, I spent $1,200 on irons today. Like, how can you justify saying that, you know, depending on what you're not, not, not even depending on what your income level is, any income level for that matter. How can you, you tell your family that you've, that you've done this and, and that you're doing this for yourself and, and not feel selfish about it. Right. So I, I think, you know, this goes a long way in terms of Costco and Kirkland building their brand as, um, as a competitor in the golf world, we've already seen people rave about their golf clubs and their golf balls. Right. Um, we've already seen people rave about the affordability and they're pretty similar I played a golf the golf ball a little bit. It's not like a playing a Pro V one maybe, but it's 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 still pretty good for the common person. So I think that's a a real big step in terms of Kirkland kind of taking over a little bit of a slice of the golfing industry. Yeah, and also I would just like to point out I I just very quickly scooted over to a couple golf a couple websites where you can buy golf clubs, and hey, um, you know you've got sets of irons from the big, I'll say the big four or five manufacturers that are now four plus years old that are still retailing for more than, more than what this yeah. Kirkland set is. I mean, that's just, you want to talk yeah. about opening of the century. Like Kirkland has the opportunity of a lifetime here to really make itself stand out. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe my goal for the first half of 2024 is to get my hands on these golf clubs and actually try them. Uh, actually tinker with them a bit to see what they, uh, how they play, what they look like, because I think, I think it could be that big a deal in terms of uh, golf. Yeah. Costco, if you're listening, yes. Send me a set. Come on. <laughs> um, let's talk about the tournament that happened this past weekend. Nate, I know you watched a bit of the Grant Thornton. Uh, talk to us about it. What'd you see? What'd you like? I was watching pretty casual, but it but it was pretty cool to see some of the biggest LPGA stars out there. Like the Corda was Corda was out there. Lilia Vu was out there. A great quote from Lilia Vu and Joel Damon. The quote came from Joel Damon, who has a lot of uh, big quotes out there. And he said, and they asked him what their name of their team is between Joel Damon and Lilia Vu, and he he named their team Wu Tang Clan. And that was pretty funny because Lilia Vu didn't really know what they were talking about. She's you know 
right around that 21 years old age. So she's not really from that era, but it was, that was, that was pretty funny. But uh, so there's some other good quotes out that, but just at the end of the day, Josh, where do we, where do you think we can kind of move this tournament around or kind of massage this tournament so we can get guys like Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Max Homa to maybe play in this event. I know Tony Finau, we were talking about him being a big name, right? But he was kind of the headliner for this tournament. Um, We have all the best LPGA tour pros playing in it, but how do we find a spot where we get, the bigger names to play in this event. Uh, I think you gotta you have to stop throwing these cool events in the the off season, which is exactly where we are right now. It's the middle of the holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I think you're competing with, you know, if you're one of the if you're legitimately one of the best players in the world, you're competing with two events that Tiger Woods headlines, right? right. Um, and how many, you know, how many of those top players in the world want to play in three events in a span of three weeks between Thanksgiving and a week before Christmas? Yeah, they so, won't be home this time of year. Yeah, for sure. I think you got to move it. Um, and you know what? I I loved the the format. I loved the modified four ball format where you're teeing off. They switch balls and then they play in from those spots. Um, yeah. Obviously, the scramble format everybody understands because everybody's played in a charity scramble or forty seven. Um, in their life. And, you know, I think you find a way if you're the PGA tour, especially given this uh, crossroads that the tour is at, I think you find a way to get these types of events integrated with implication into the regular season. I think the biggest thing that the PGA tour has to overcome right now is this idea that the only way to crown the best golfers or identify the best golfers in the world is single stroke play 72 hole tournaments. And I I think there's a real opportunity here, not only uh, to grow the men's professional game, but to really grow the women's professional game too, integrating it more into what the PGA tour is doing week in and week out. I think it would be great. Then there's a little talk about team golf, which would seems like Liv might have figured out. Right. So that's an interesting point by you. Yeah. It's a, it's not, it doesn't have to be team golf. Like collegiate team golf, right? Like we don't need to have five or six person teams, but we've seen events like, you know, not even, not even team golf. Let's talk about just match play. We've seen how popular match play is. That format is we see during the Ryder cup, how popular those uh, two man team events are uh, those formats. So I I think it's, it's an opportunity and the, the tour would be stupid not to be looking at an event like this and say, Oh, wait a second. You're telling me we can't find a, a hole in the schedule in February or perhaps May or even like July of when we could get this in there. I, I just think it would I think it's too big of an opportunity to pass up. And I think in terms of what it can really do to grow the game, that's that's an opportunity the tour shouldn't want to miss. And I think the TGI was going to accomplish that. Um, before they had that that building man, uh, building malfunction. So I, I really want to give credit to the tour there. You know, I, I spent the last 40 minutes bashing them. So I would like to, to give them their flowers on that TGL idea. That was going to really come to fruition and really be fun to watch, I think. But um, we're just going to have to wait another year on that. But I think using that idea and using your ideas too, Josh, and how you say they need to do stuff like that, I think they will be able to figure it out. They just have some bigger kind of fish to fry at this point in terms of where they're going to be in a couple of years. Yeah, it's got to be, to me, that has to be the number two priority because I I think you don't have to look any further than TV ratings to see that professional golf is in trouble, whether you're talking about live or whether you're talking about the PGA tour, uh, TV ratings have been going the wrong way for a a number of years now. 
And yes, TV isn't as important uh, as it once was because of, you know, streaming platforms and YouTube and, you know, TikTok, the internet, that whole deal. But it's still where a lion's share of the revenue comes from when you're talking about how uh, entities like the PGA Tour or eventually live will make their money. Like, they, you know, that's just a, a reality. Um, speaking of uh, professional golf, we've got PNC this weekend. You have a yeah, another fun event too, where you have, you have a lot of father-son duos and just family-son duos or family uh, family duos in that in that regard, right? You know, Tiger Woods is going to be headlined by that, but you have the Thomases, the Sings, you know, you're all your regular sort of two-person teams. So you have a two-day two, two tournament uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, all eyes will be on Tiger and Charlie. Uh, we saw them both injured last year. Uh, at this point, I don't, I haven't heard anything bad about Charlie in terms of his ankle or anything like that. And Tiger, we know is is in good shape too. We just saw him a couple weeks ago, so I would be surprised if they're not right on top. Wouldn't be surprised if they're not right on top of the leaderboard come uh, the the back nine stretch on Sunday. In theory, they should they should absolutely demolish the field. I mean, right? Two years ago, they came in second. So, like. Uh, looking at the looking at the relatives that are, I'll say the the pros partners. Um, looking at the list, you know John Daly the second. Um, they're always very good. They're always very good. Um, you know there aren't really any teams that I'm looking at that, you know Tiger Woods playing the way he is now. The, at least the Coochers are playing right? around. The Coochers are sure playing. His son's becoming a very good player. Yeah, um, I I think there's very few teams that can you know, really compete with Tiger and Charlie. Yeah, especially I don't know too much of where Charlie's playing, what Teasy's playing, but he a couple of years ago when they were playing this event, he just hits the ball so far from the Teasy was playing and they were playing his ball a lot. But then he made an eagle by himself. So it's it's just, it's it's really fun to watch. Um, we'll see what, what happens this coming weekend. Yeah, and I think the the most interesting thing, maybe less so this time with, with Charlie, but um, boy, you really notice those growth spurts that yeah. this teenage Charlie is going through when we, for the people who only see him uh, once a year in December, um, this, this kid is, is filling out and filling out fast. So uh, we'll, we'll see what that's going to look like this weekend, but Hey, that is going to do it for this edition of the show. You can catch more over at our Substack. It's outofboundsgolf.substack.com. Subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us on TikTok if you want to see more from us in between episodes. For Nate Sharman, I'm Josh Durso. And remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time on Out of Bounds. Out of Bounds.